Hello, and welcome to Rethink Games with Scott Novus. And I'm your host, Scott Novus. And in this Season 1, Episode 6, we're going to revisit the future of teamwork. But I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into the natural tension that exists between our need to learn and our desire to execute. And specifically, I'm going to touch on a thing called mental models. So without further ado, let's dig in a bit. If you listen to last week's episode, you know that I talked about the environment that we've gotten thrown into where we need to be more intentional about how we learned. We actually have to take a step back and the tools that we used for working together in groups are being put under strain because we have new tools, new ways of interacting. And a lot of the natural habits that human beings have of working together in groups have to be adapted to work most effectively online. So one of the things that happens is we have this tension that comes from our need to learn. That's how we adapt to uncertainty, how we cope with difficulty, but at the same time, our own internal expectation to execute. And there's four very common feelings that people experience when they're thrown into an environment where they have an intense desire to execute or they feel they need to execute, yet they haven't learned what they need to do to execute with great skill. And usually that experiences frustration, confusion, impatience, and boredom. There's a saying I joke about uh, with my team that's like, I don't want to learn it, I just want to know it. And it's sort of that, I want to skip the step. And in her excellent book, Grit, Angela Duckworth dug into the behaviors of some of the top performers and top competitors across a wide variety of sports. And she built upon a lot of great work from the book Mindset. And it boiled down to this, her formula for understanding how to produce performance, your ability to execute, was the idea of skill times effort. Now, where does skill come from? Skill is developed from talent times effort. And her revelation is that effort counts twice in the equation. The thing is, you can't collapse performance into talent, effort, effort. There has to be a separation between the two. You have to develop your skill and then apply your skill. And no matter how much we want to skip those two things, like smash it all into one and go straight to execution, it's much more useful to be cognizant or self-aware that we have to be able to develop our skill to be able to perform. So how do we give ourselves the grace to do that? How do we find the tools and techniques that give us the permission to go out and learn? Now, one of the things I talked about last week had to do with psychological safety and the idea of impression management. We put a lot of energy into managing the impressions of others. And when we execute at a very high level, very often, we're that's our most effective zone for managing the impressions of others. If we're competent, we execute, we've got the answers, and we're positive, and we're just making it happen, that's kind of like a lot of people's happy space. But as you start digging into things that disrupt our ability to execute, things that cause change, it really, it's a specific type of change. It's the change that leads to that uncertainty. Our inability to predict our performance causes us a lot of stress because it reactivates those needs of, we don't know what's going to happen. 
And we don't necessarily want to or give ourselves that time to go back and be a beginner and learn. And you see this behavior over and over again, where people would rather walk away from a situation than go back to the experience of being a beginner and learning again. It's painful for people to do. So step one, and this comes from Brene Brown's work, is developing the self-compassion to give yourself the permission to learn. And very often what happens with really competent people is they see the gap between what is possible. Like they look at it and say, I should be able to do this. And should is one of the best words because it's a huge red flag. Should is not a fact. Should is a preference coupled with a judgment. And so as soon as you hear the should, and there's a great expression, uh, a friend of mine shared with me is don't should all over someone. If you hear that word, it's a great indicator that you've moved out of a learning mode into a judgmental criticism mode. And you could take a step back and go, whoa, 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 where is this coming from? So when you think you should be able to do something, but what you're actually able to do, that gap, many people feel that gap emotionally. They get frustrated. They get angry. They get impatient. They get bored. Closing that gap is requires effort and requires focus and it requires giving yourself the permission to learn. Now, I've talked in a couple different things about the lesson of the pottery class, and I just love this lesson. Uh, James Clear also wrote about it in his book, Atomic Habits, as the photography class. It's a similar concept. When we decouple ourselves from our need to execute, from having expectations of what we, quote, should be able to do, and we focus on the practice of doing, we get in motion. Mark Manson in uh, his book, the very clever, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Flip talked about the similar thing. Sometimes you just need to get in motion and start working on the problem, start making the effort. It's the repetitions. When we put ourselves in motion to begin the practice of developing the skills without an expectation of a positive outcome, it can free us to produce excellent work. And that's what both of these teachers discovered. They took their classes, divided them in half, and told one group, you will be graded on quality. You only need to turn in one photograph or one piece of pottery, and you'll be judged on the quality of that single piece of work. You have all semester to do it. They told the other class, we don't care about quality, only quantity. We will, in the pottery class example, the teacher literally, she brought in a bathroom scale and weighed the pottery. The shocking result in both instances is that the most creative work, the highest quality work, the most innovative work did not come from the quantity group. It it did not come from the quality group, excuse me. It came from the quantity group. You cannot sit around and think about getting better. You have to practice. You have to put in the effort. You go back to Angela Duckworth's model is that skill is developed through effortful practice and effortful practice is intentional practice and intentional practice has a few elements related to it. One is you have a very clear goal. You know what you're trying to achieve. Two, you get rapid feedback. You know if you're on course or off course. And three is you're practicing to the clock. You tend to practice in short bursts and you tend to practice frequently. And when you look at the photography or pottery class lesson, the quantity groups were 
practicing rapidly. It had all of those hallmarks. They were doing lots of practice. They were trying to produce something. And it was more, regardless of what the quality of it was, they got immediate feedback on whatever they made. The picture turned out or the pottery turned out or it didn't. But the important thing wasn't necessarily the result as how close they were to what they were trying to achieve. And they could continue to practice over and over again. The quality groups were stuck in trying to do something perfect with one iteration, which the data indicates is nearly impossible. The best teams, the highest performing teams, teams that achieve true excellence, very often improve because they have focused intentional practice to improve that has those forms of feedback. A phenomenal book that I recommend is The First 20 Hours by Josh Kaufman, and he breaks down sort of this program or science of how human beings can rapidly learn and acquire new skills. So as you're being thrown into this new environment and you have new tools to use and you have new ways of working together in teams, one of the most powerful things you can do is recognize, use your emotions and use the words to give you clues that do you need to go back to a learning mode before you can jump ahead to an execution mode? Are you saying should a lot? Are you feeling the pain and frustration because you know what's possible, but you can't deliver it yet? Instead of those being criticisms or critiques of who we are and our value as people, those are road signs. They're, they're indicators that are pointing to it's time to learn. And one of the greatest things about human beings is we can learn. We have adaptable behaviors. And it turns out to differing degrees, we all have some capacity to be able to build skill. The effort is more important than the talent, especially if you give yourself the time and the grace to be able to develop that capacity. Again, I go back to Wooden. I loved his approach. He never talked about winning. He talked about developing character, developing human potential. And we all have that capacity. So as you're going into sort of this teamwork environment, you maybe have new tools. Uh, you have a new way of interacting with your team. There's new procedures or things you have to revisit and rethink. You think of the four elements of impression management, questions, uh, making mistakes, uh, ideation, like offering suggestions and asking questions like, man, why are we doing it this way? Is this the best way to do it? Those all fall clearly into a learning skill development space that you should feel comfortable recognizing that, oh, I'm in a learning mode. I'm in a skill development mode. And once you're getting to that point that you've developed sufficient skill, you can transition to execution. And the irony is if you give yourself more time to learn, you'll actually execute sooner with a higher degree of quality than you would if you just try to jump straight to execution. So while you're in this mode and you're working through how to get better, a, an improved mental model is use those cues to indicate do I need to spend, invest more time in learning my skills and getting comfortable with the uncomfortable? And then, or is it time to execute? Hey, thanks for joining me this week on Rethink Games. If you're looking for more resources or information about me or any of my companies, you can find more blog posts and content like this at scottnovis.com slash blog. And you can also find me at bravus.com, that's B-R-A-V-O-U-S.com, or gametruck.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to talking to you next week.